Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, or 12, sorry. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So as you know, if you've been here, the last few weeks we've been talking about worship. Um, this morning we're going to talk about the importance of the word of God in our worship setting. So let's just, let's just pray one more time together. Jesus, hallelujah, God, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our, our lives, our homes, our ministries. God, I pray you continue to do so. In Jesus' name, God, continue to move in the rest of the service. I pray, God, open our ears, God, to what you want us to hear. God, I know in our ears to hear what you want us to hear. God, I know I'm to say what you want me to say, I pray in Jesus' name, God, help us to be sensitive to your spirit. God, help us to hear your voice this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you'd like. I'm not trying to be like creepy or spooky or anything. It's just, I always find when things start happening, something comes. I know it's not a big deal, but anyways. Usually that means you're on the edge of something. So if something's going on in your life, maybe you're on the edge of a breakthrough. Just another message for another time. But anyway. So the word in worship. Worship, worship service, you know, when we come together Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, it's a, it's a good thing, right? Coming together with other people to worship is, is awesome and it's important and it's... Um, supposed to be something that we do regularly. Um, you know, you're supposed to be all week long serving God, living for God, you know, having a walk with God, a relationship with, with Jesus, following and worshiping Him. But you're, you're pretty much on your own, sort of, during the week, generally, you know. But something special happens when we all come together. Um, there's more power, there's more strength, it seems, when you come together, we kind of, you know, build off each other, you know, somebody, you know, you have a service, and it's not really happening, and then somebody just breaks out, and everybody, you know, feeds off that, and it just, when we come together, it seems that um, there's something else to it, another dimension of our personal relationship and walk with Jesus, it adds something to us, it reminds us, you know, that we're not alone, because, you know, Tuesday evenings, can be lonely. Saturday evenings, you know, can be lonely, but when you get together, you realize, you know, I'm not alone. That's why we have camp meetings and conferences and stuff, because, you know, you get together, you're like, oh yeah, there's more. There's more of us, right? Anyway, so it's important for us to come together, and when the, the apostolic movement um, started, or restarted, I guess, in North America, um, we had revival services seven, seven nights a week. People would come in, set up a tent, just go all out for a month or two. Just give her. My friend, um, Jerome, talking about him, but his dad in the Philippines, that's how they would start churches. They would just take a tent, go to a city, do a crusade for a week, every night of the week services, and then whoever was there, they got the Holy Ghost, baptized or whatever, they would, hey, this guy's your pastor. And then moved to the next town. That's how they started churches. And I don't even know how many they started. They would just do that for a month or two at a time and just start a bunch of churches. That's what they did. So that's how a lot of churches here started. People would come seven nights a week, 
twice on Sunday, just go all out, right? Does anyone ever remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and people were so excited to get together and worship and, you know, to get to the presence of God with all these other people and things were happening and you know, people were being healed and miracles were happening. It was awesome. And because you just never know what's going to happen when you get together. When things start moving, you, you, you want to be there because you don't know what's going to happen. But gradually people get busier and, you know, the jobs have changed. Used to, like everybody used to be off at a certain time. Now people are working shift work and overnights and people can't be at church all the time and people are working two or three jobs trying to pay the bills because it's inflation and all this stuff, right? And so it's kind of dwindled down when we've all got schedules and when you get kids and they're in all these activities and things happen and we just, it's gradually dwindled down. As you can see, we only have church twice a week. And some of us only come once. Some of us don't come <laughs> every week. So I'm not saying it's necessary for us to have church seven or eight services a week, but it's important for us to come together. It's important for us to be together and worship together. It's important. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Yeah. It says we're supposed to keep coming together. Amen. Yeah. You know, don't stop. Don't stop assembling. Don't stop getting together. And it says even um, so much more as the day approaches, as the coming back of God comes. It's that day, sorry. As that day comes, we should not be forsaking church. Sure. We should be coming together even more so. As time goes on, more so, not the other way. I'm not saying we need to do it every, every day, but we need to be in church. All right? I know you guys are all here, so it's kind of, ah, <laughs> oh, you guys are doing the right thing. Oh, how dare you? So I know we're, anyways, do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm just stuttering and stumbling over everything. But now is not the time to take time off. Now is not the time to skip services and, you know, show up whenever you feel like. And now we need more than ever to be in the house of God. Now we need more than ever to be in the presence of God, worshiping with other people. Because the world's a lot different than it was 50, 60 years ago. You know, we need this more than we've ever needed it before. And so there are some important parts of worship services, things that we do on a regular basis. So I'm just going to go through this. No, this isn't a open and holler message, but teaching, okay. So there's some things we do weekly. The first thing, um, prayer. Prayer is important, right? Does everybody believe that? Prayer is essential. Prayer is necessary. Because when we pray, we, we repent. leads us into praise and intercession and all these, these things. And when we pray before we come to church, we, you know, we take some time before service and we pray and we pray at home before we come or whatever. We we clean ourselves out and we get ready to receive from what God wants to give us, right? If you have company coming over, you clean. At least the room they're going to be in. And maybe the living room, maybe the kitchen, because they'll probably be around. Maybe the bathroom, hopefully the bathroom. But you clean when somebody's coming over. So when we pray, we clean out our, our heart to allow God to come in and speak to us and do what he wants 
But when we don't, we come and we struggle through the service and everything just awkward and dead and here you're not getting anything. So prayer is essential. Prayer is important. It cleans us out and gets us ready to receive what God wants um, to give us or impart into our lives that day. Um, the second thing we do every week is singing. Even if you can't, Amen. you try. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In Psalm 96, verse 1 to 2 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, and show forth his salvation from day to day. The Bible tells us to sing. Amen. Some of us are good at it. Some of us aren't. That's okay. But just sing. Amen. And Jordan and Haley, they like to sing. <laughs> Loudly. <laughs> That's good. They're singing. That's what the Bible tells us to do, is sing. Yes. You know, we need to sing unto God. Yes. And so we sing, and singing gives glory to God, right? We're, you know, generally, when you're in church, you're singing worship songs. We're singing other songs, and we have problems. But we're, we're giving glory unto God. And it inspires us, kind of reminds us, oh yeah, you know, he is holy. Oh yeah, he is my healer. He is the miracle worker. He is the rock. He is, and it reminds us of who he is, right? And it inspires us to worship. And anointed singing can change an atmosphere. When you get somebody that just, like that day the McDougals were here. And she got, I was like, what are we doing? What are we even doing? <laughs> Shut her all down. It was crazy. It's just, or, yeah, anyways. You know, when somebody's anointed in the same, I'm not saying, you, everybody that sings up here, I'm on your side. I'm not putting you down. You're all awesome. I love you all. You're all anointed, and I love you. So, but when somebody's singing that's anointed, it just, it can break the, just break the thing wide open, you know, change the atmosphere. And when we sing, it unites us in praise. It kind of brings everybody together. We're all singing the same song. We're all focused on the same thing. Yes. And then it unifies us. Yes. And it's, it's important. It brings us all together. When I was in Bible school, we used to have, um, in the men's dorm, we used to have devotions once a week. I don't know who started it, but it was a thing that I think the third years did it, and then we just kind of did it because they told us to and we didn't know any better and it was, it was good so but we would we would start the devotions with singing no music just singing and none of us could sing you get like 25 guys down there just belting it out it was wonderful and I remember once I was on the phone with my mother and devotions was starting and they started singing she was like what is that racket and I was like oh it's devotions gotta go and it was awful. Nobody could sing. Well, a couple of them could, but the guys that couldn't were overpowering. You know how it is. <laughs> but God moved in those little devotionals. And God moved, and it was awesome. It's, I don't know. It's just, it was great. And God moved because we were singing and worshiping. It didn't matter if we could do it or not. I always said it doesn't matter if you can sing or not. Just do it. It doesn't matter. Just, just do it. Like, I'd rather somebody sing with emotion than, you know, anything. Whatever. So... Singing is another thing we do, and it just went over that. So testimony, it's another thing. We don't, generally, we don't always do like testimony services, but you know, when we're talking to each other, I remember Sherman got his good news. He was telling everybody yeah. <laughs> before service, and 
you know, it got everybody excited. Everybody was pumped up, and that's what, you know, something good happens. Tell people it get, it builds faith, right? And you testify before, during, or after service. Whenever we do it, we we share what God's doing, and it boosts faith, and we rejoice together. Like, wow, that was a good report, you God. That's awesome. We've been praying for that, and like, I'm excited. Yes. You know. Thank you. You know, God's answer. We pray. You know, every week, every service, we have prayer, and we just pray a lot of times for the same things over and over. And when things start happening, it boosts our faith because we've all been praying for this. We've all, you know, invested into this. And when God answers, he answers all of us together, right? Amen. And so testimony brings glory to God and points worship to, to God. It helps boost um, faith. It's important. Other things we do, tithes, offerings, um, fellowship, all these things help help the church grow, help unity, and they're all important. And the last thing that we do is the preaching or the teaching of the word. I don't want to sound like, I don't know, I'm arrogant or anything. I don't want to, but um, it doesn't matter how good or how bad everything else goes. Um, Because the word, when we come together, the word is the most important thing that we get. Everything else um, gets us ready to receive what God wants to say to us, which... You know, it's a stressful <laughs> situation sometimes. Um, but everything else, praise, worship, prayer, it all gets us ready to receive what God wants to say in our lives. No matter, you can have a terrible song service, you know, everybody's distracted, nobody's whatever. But the word still has power. The word can still affect, the word can still whatever. Uh, everything else gets us ready to receive um, from from God. Yeah. It gets us in the right atmosphere, the right attitude, or whatever Amen. that we need to be to receive it. Yeah. Um, if you're not right, you're not going to receive it. You know, somebody get up here and preach everything you need to hear, but if you're not listening, you're not ready to receive it, it's not going to, you're not going to receive it. Um, we could probably get by without singing, testimony, whatever, but without the word, you're not going to last long because the word is what gives us strength. The, the Bible, not me, not the preacher, but the word of God, the Bible, the word of God is what gives us strength. Um, there's a Sunday school story. Um, the teacher was teaching and she started asking some questions to the kids and she said, who killed, who killed the giant? And the kid was like, Jack! And the beanstalk, right? He kills the giant. And he's like, I know this one is Jack. And she's like, no, no, we're talking about the Bible. The Bible. It was David that killed, <laughs> killed the giant. And then she's like, okay, who, who got swallowed up by a whale? Pinocchio! <laughs> no. No. We're talking about the Bible here. It was Jonah. Right? And <laughs> Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And as a little kid, like this kid, he knew more about fairy tales, he knew more about movies, he knew more about all these other things than he knew about the Bible, than he knew about the Word of God. And sometimes we can be like that. I could ask you, you know, what the score from the hockey game last night was, and you may know. 
I could ask you something about the Bible and you might not know. And there's nothing wrong with knowing other things, but we need to know the Word. We need to know the Bible. That's what gives us strength. That's what we stand on when things happen. I had friends, he had um, some sort of skin cancer happen on his back. And somebody printed out all the verses in the Bible of healing, and he just read those every day, and he prayed those every day, and God healed him because there's power in the Word. Amen. Amen. We need to know the Word. We need to know what it says. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with knowing other things, but we need to know what the Bible says. Uh, I taught a youth class once, and um, I, for fun, we did some, a little quiz. We did a lot of, addressed a lot of like pop culture things, like who sang this song, or what movie was this, whatever, things like that. Um, not multiple choice, just give me the answer, whatever. They aced it, just absolutely killed it. And then we did some Bible questions, and I gave them multiple choice, and it didn't go so well. And for example, one of the questions I did, I asked him was, you know the story of Jacob, right? Jacob works seven years, and then he marries, to marry Rachel, then Laban gives him Leah, and he's mad, he wants to marry Rachel. And then, so how, many, how long does he wait until he marries Rachel? Seven years, you think, right? All the knows. Genesis chapter 29 and 28 says, And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. One week. All our life. We've been taught it was seven years. He worked seven years after that week, but he waited one week and then married Rachel. See? <laughs> when I, I read that one day, and it just blew my mind because I was, all, I was wrong the whole, my whole life. And it was just one little thing, one little detail. But how many other things might be wrong? That's what I thought. So we need to know what the Bible says because sometimes we think we know what it says and we're wrong. So that was one of the questions. Everybody got it wrong. But it's just something little, something little or something simple. But you know, if it's something bigger than that, it could be dangerous. Like that's not really going to affect your salvation. But I mean, if there's something else that you something bigger that's more important to, you know, your soul or whatever, you know, we need to know what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's looking at him. <laughs> but it's important for us to know what the Bible says. It's important for us to study on our own, to develop, you know, a relationship with the Word of God. It's our foundation. That's what we stand on. That's what gives us strength. We need to read it. We need to study it. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and it's being fulfilled. Today, there's whole groups that we think we know what the Bible says, and someone goes along and says, No, it actually means or says this. Oh, fine, and then we just go with them. And don't know what it says on our own. Do you know what I mean? Whole groups, whole churches are being deceived because they don't know what the Bible says. And we can base things on a feeling. Oh, well, that feels good. That makes sense. To me, God, I wouldn't, you know, do that. Like I was in youth once. I was talking about how you know, God had punished these people, and the, the kid, some kid, was like, "No, he wouldn't do that. Not, not God. He loves people." I'm like, well, the Bible just says it right there. Nope. <laughs> and just arguing with me. I'm like, I just read it to you. 
He's going to come back. But, but when we base things on feelings and not what the Word says, we can be led astray. We need the Word. The Word is the substance. And it's dangerous to base things on what we think or what we feel. Because feelings can change, right? Even since you've been here this morning, you probably had different feelings. You might have walked in angry, and now you're, maybe you're not. Maybe you walked in not angry, and now you are. You walked in thinking you knew about Leah and Rachel and Jacob, and now you don't know. <laughs> feelings change, right? Even in an hour, feelings can change. But the Word of God never changes. Psalm 119. Oh, I missed that one. Yes. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God doesn't change. It's settled forever. Amen. It's going to be the same. Yeah. And you can say, well, I think this, or I believe that, or I feel this, but it doesn't matter. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings. It doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what the Bible says. Yeah. What does God say? What does the word say? That's what really matters. And when it all comes down to it, it's not wrong. I can be wrong. You can be wrong, but the Bible's not wrong. That's what it all comes down to. We can't afford to be easily swayed or unstable. We need to stand firm on the Word of God. We need to know what it says. We need to stand on it. Jesus gave us an example in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan came to tempt him. He had all power, heaven and earth. He could have just banished him because whatever. But he came at him with the Word. Jesus said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. And he just kept giving them where Satan tried to twist it and Jesus kept giving them scripture because that's where the power is. Yeah. If you fight with the word, you'll always win. It's a powerful tool. It's a powerful weapon. No matter how busy we are, no matter how much is going on in our lives, we still need the word of God. It gives us strength. It gives us power and it stands on its own. Amen. Oh. Hebrews chapter... 4 and 12 it says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so this gives us some characteristics of the word of God it's quick it's powerful it's sharp it's piercing dividing it's discerning and it's enduring enduring um, it's quick uh, it doesn't necessarily mean fast, um, which it can be, but quick as in it's alive. It's, it's alive. It's got power. It has power to bring things to life. It has power to create things. God created the entire world just by his word. Amen. It has power to change situations, change circumstances. So it's quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It will accomplish its purpose. Nothing is stronger than the Word. The Word of God can cause sinners to repent. The Word of God can bring somebody out of a situation. The Word of God can call somebody and send them across the world to a place that they never wanted to go. The Word of God can calm a storm. Amen. The Word of God can bring life from death. The Word of God is powerful. Hallelujah. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Sometimes it's called the sword of the Spirit. 
but it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and we use it to attack. We use it to fight. You know, this is how we fight our battles. When things come against us, we have the word to say. Amen. You know, when I was when I was little, we used to sing that song. Greater is He that's in me than He is in the world. You know, remember that song? Yeah. Anybody sing that? We used to sing that. It's a it's a verse in the Bible, right? And um, I was scared of the dark. I was scared of ghosts. I always thought they were coming for me. But I would, <laughs> I would sing that song as loud as I could. I would quote that verse as loud as I could, and it always helped. When I thought, the greatest he is in me, because I had the Holy Ghost, but I was still scared of things. It was like 11, 12, whatever. Still scared of things, but I'm, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. I would just say it, and then, you know, there would be a, I would just say it until there was a peace, and that chased that fear away. And it was something simple, but there's power in the word. And as a kid, I learned that because I was terrified of everything. But if we use it to attack, we use it to fight our battles, we will be victorious. And sometimes a sword can cut, you know, sword cuts. Sometimes it's used to operate on us. Sometimes it's used to take things out of us that we need to be removed. Piercing even to the dividing ascender of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. The word of God convicts, the word of God pricks pricks our heart, it speaks to us, it pierces our heart. Sometimes, you ever like reading your Bible or you're in church or somebody's preaching or whatever, and it's just like, whoa, someone just, boom, speaks to you. You're just reading and then, oh, and it just hits you. That's what the Word of God does. Just like, oh, that's something. I need to work on. Well, that's something I need to, to fix. So that's something God's speaking to me about. And I think that's sometimes why some people avoid it. Because they don't want that. It's not comfortable being convicted. right? It's not comfortable feeling like you need to fix things. Nobody wants to. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. But... If we want to grow, if we want to go further with God, we need to allow the word to convict us. We need to allow the word to prick our hearts and convict us. And it cuts away anything that's not of God, anything that's contrary to God. If we allow the word to work in our lives, that's what will happen. It'll take away things. It'll help us become more like him. It goes deep and it's effective. And it doesn't always feel good, but it's necessary for us to Amen. grow. Amen. It says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Um, on Wednesday, she's not here, but Terry asked me a question before and I didn't quite understand what she was, and I didn't answer it as well as I should have. But then um, we taught the Bible study and halfway through the Bible study, something we were teaching answered her question. <laughs> and she's like, oh, amazing. I could just see it on her face. It just clicked and I was like, that was I finally, I guess I, anyways, and she came and told me afterwards, because the, the word knows, like God knows what you're thinking, and maybe you're not, maybe you're trying to express it to somebody, and they're not quite getting it, like me, I'm not the smartest or whatever, but it just, the God used that to answer her question, yeah. and do you ever been in a service, and it's like, oh, the preacher preached right at me, right. and I don't know all your stuff. You know, I'll keep to myself, which is an issue, but 
Like, I don't know everything that's going on in your lives. I don't want to know, because, anyways, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. If I can help you, I will. But sometimes God will use what somebody's preaching or what's in the Bible to say something to us, wherever we're at, to our situations. Amen. You know, you can preach something, and it means one thing to one person, one thing to somebody else, because that's how the Word of God works. It's alive. It's powerful. The Word of God knows our, and the Word and God, sorry, knows our heart and our thoughts, and it can speak to us where we're at. Um, you can, you know, after service, be like, wow, I really needed to hear that, and I didn't know you needed to hear that. But God did. Amen. So He allowed it to come across to you. Yes. God knows, or God does know what you need. We all have like a filter of how we see things. We all have a, um, a way that we see the world, interpret the world, and God knows that, and God knows how to use that. So when we hear the word or we read the word, he speaks to us through that, if that makes sense. The word will endure. 1 Peter 1, 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and that is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And so 119, verse 89 again, says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word will endure. Feelings change, people change, beliefs change, minds can be changed. Um, I had a guy that was in my youth group, um, went to Bible school. Now he decides he's a Reformed Baptist. Don't know how that happened. But he got upset. Things weren't going the way he thought they should, so... I'm going to leave and start this church on the other side of town. And that's what we're going to do. People change. People's minds change. Their beliefs change. <clears throat> Denominations fall or break up or dissolve. Churches can be split or divided or change their message. I grew up in one church and they decided, not one church, a church, and they decided that they weren't going to believe certain things anymore. I don't know. It was like, well, time for us to go. Sometimes churches change their beliefs, change their message. Songs change, music changes, people change, programs change, ideas change, um, styles change. Things change, right? But the Word of God never does. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word of God will endure through everything we go through. Through everything that happens, through every change, every pastoral change, every church change, every, every change in your life, every season, the Word of God is always the same, no matter what it happens. <clears throat> and because there's so much power in the Word, it does what singing, what fellowship, and all the other things we do regularly can't do. And they, they all have a place, they're all important, we need all of it. But the word is the source of our faith. The word is the source of our strength. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that dil diligently seek him. You can't please God without faith. Amen. How do we get faith? Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So God chose his word to be the thing that launches or kickstarts our faith. Yes. Does that make sense? Well, yes. Doesn't matter. It's 
But we need, we need to hear a word to get the faith that pleases God. How do you believe in something you never heard of? Right? You need to hear about something in order to believe in it. How do we hear the word? Through preaching, teaching, studying, reading it. God speaks to us through his word. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they that call on him in whom they have not believed? So how are they going to call on somebody they don't believe in? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How are they going to, how's that going to happen? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. Not, not a guy behind a pulpit, but somebody telling them. How is somebody going to believe? How are they going to call out to God? How are they going to be saved if they don't believe? And how are they going to believe if nobody tells them? And how are they going to be told if there's nobody that's telling? We hear the word through preaching, through teaching, you know, studying on our own sometimes, and reading on our own. But how did you first hear about God? How did you end up here? Did somebody tell you? How did you hear about God in the first place? I was raised in it, so I didn't really have a choice. You know, that's how, <clears throat> I don't remember not hearing about God. But how did you hear? Somebody told you, generally. Amen. How did you hear about Jesus? How did you hear about the one God? How did you hear about salvation? How, how did you hear about healing or miracles? Somebody said something, right? Somebody told you, or you read something somewhere, you read a report, or you read, in the Bible somewhere, somebody said something, but you heard about it by a word. Yes. And the word of God is our source for salvation. It's our source for doctrine. It's the plan of salvation is in the word. It's in the Bible. Everything that we need to live is in the Bible. It's what God uses. First Corinthians 1, 21. I'm almost done. In case you were wondering. For after that, in all the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, to please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. By the foolishness of preaching. It doesn't make sense that somebody can get up here and talk and your life can be changed. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that's what God chose. That's what God wanted to use. It doesn't make sense to us, but that's how it works. Because God likes to use things that don't make sense because that's the only explanation is that it was God. It doesn't make sense to us, but that's how he works. You hear the word, you believe, and then you can be saved. The word causes us to believe. And that belief leads to obedience. That belief leads to salvation. Does this make this clear? I hope so. And Christians are called believers. Because they've heard, because they believed, and they've obeyed. The word of God is designed to lead us to salvation, but also to keep us saved. It teaches us, it trains us, and it continues to work in our lives. No matter how old we get. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Excellent. Let's all stand. We're going to finish real quick. Does that, make, does that make sense? We, the Word of God is important. Not me, but the Word. It could be anybody. 
But the word of God is important. We have to live according to the word of God. We can't live by our feelings. We can't live by our thoughts or the word of others. Because that can change. And it's not stable. We're supposed to build our house on the solid rock. Not on the, the sand that can you know, fall apart. All that can change, but the word doesn't. <clears throat> the word needs to have the last say in our life. We can, we can be spiritual. We can have you know, feelings. Feel like God wants to say this or God wants to do that. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's wrong. Right? We can have all these feelings and it's fun, you know, have God moving, the spirit moving and all people prophesying and stuff. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's wrong. It can lead us astray if we don't know what the word says. And somebody comes in and says, thus saith the Lord, whatever. Something crazy. You go, oh, well, God said it. Let's go. If you don't know what the Bible says, then it's a dangerous place to be. We need both. We need spiritual and we need the word. We need worship, we need prayer, we need praise, and we need the, the word of God. We need to be ready to hear. Because the word can convict and cut out things and speak to us and boost our faith, and it all, it all goes together. We, all, we need the word of God. Somebody said, if you have no word in all spirit, you'll blow up. Have you heard this? If you have no word, all spirit will blow up because you're just feeling everything and just... It's all going to fall apart eventually because whatever. If you have all word, no spirit, you'll blow up. If you have, sorry, no word, all spirit, you'll blow up. If you have all word and no spirit, you'll dry up. So you're just preaching and laws, 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 laws. It's going to kill you. You need both. If you have the word and the spirit together, you will grow up. Read your Bible and pray every day. If you're just praying and not reading your Bible, it's dangerous, but if you're just reading the Bible and not praying, you're not growing either. You need both. Yeah. We know this from Sunday school. <laughs> and we've been, the last little while, we've been talking a lot about the Spirit of God and the presence of God, but we can't forget about the importance of the Word of God. Yeah. That's what keeps us in line. Can't forget about the Word. It's not always as exciting as people hopping around and running the aisle and speaking in tongues and hanging from the chandeliers. It's not as exciting as that sometimes, but it's what keeps us grounded. That's why, in my opinion, Wednesdays are the most important for me. Because that's where we get into it. That's where we learn what the Bible says. And it helps us grow. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway. <clears throat> um, Let's just take a few minutes and um, let's just pray and like recommit to God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to study your word. I want to know what your word says. It's, it's, it's good to make intentions, you know, I'm going to do it, but then if we don't do it, we don't do it. So let's just take some time and you know, pray and thank God for his word. And, And make up our mind that we're going to study it, we're going to read it, we're going to figure out what it says. So there's something simple like, <laughs> how long did Jacob wait? We all think we know it and we don't. It's important for us to know what the Bible says, because it's easy to be led astray if we don't. Anyways, let's just pray together. Jesus, hallelujah, God, I thank you.
God, for your word, Jesus. God, I thank you. Hallelujah, God, for the power that you've given us in your word, God. The, the sword, the, the weapon you've given us, God, to fight our battles, Jesus. I pray in your name, God, you would help us, God. Give us a love for your word, God. Give us a burden, God, to, to study in Jesus' name, God, to read it on our own, I pray. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, God. Let your will be done in our lives, God. Help us in Jesus' name, God. Guide us closer.